Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, we are uh, pulling back a episode from the archives. We are pulling back, it seems like this can't be in the archives. This is one of our most popular episodes ever. Uh, it's on keeping morale up in the times of COVID and you're like, wait a second, that's not, that's not archive, that's new stuff. Guys, it's six months old. So we did this episode six months ago about keeping morale up, and um, it is our third most popular episode ever, and I think now is a good time to revisit keeping morale up, and I just wanted to put it back out. Also, uh, kids are getting back in school, Steph and I are still trying to, uh, to build up a bit of a reserve of episodes, and so we're going to give you one from the archive, and then next week we'll be back with brand new fresh episodes. Anyway, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. We are back. It's me <laughs> and Stephanie. Welcome to my nightmare goss. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? That would be my favorite nickname ever. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my nightmare. Welcome to my nightmare. Oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> let's get let's just let's just get into this let's get into this we oh. are talking about um keeping morale up during yes. these uncertain times and so let's we both we were just starting to tell some stories and i was like let's let's just tell these on the podcast so um what <laughs> let's let's talk about why uh keeping morale up might be Im- important and so I, 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 I think that I think you you it was funny you you said you told a story that I'm gonna let you tell her in a second or ask you to tell her in a second that just it was one of those things where you know when someone tells a story and you're like you just told the story of my frustration right and it's like my um my in laws are dining out and you know just living a life like this is great there's no lines anywhere and I'm like God right. damn, pardon me. You know, and was like, here, here we are, like hunkered down, and uh, and they're just living their best life. Um, yeah, and it's so frustrating, and I think we see manifestations of that in that frustration in the vet clinic. You know what I mean? So here we are, and depending on what state you're in, uh, there's other businesses open or not, but. Generally, veterinary clinics have been considered essential services, and so that means we're just taking care of emergencies, right? Right. Well, <laughs> one one would think, and most of the states have um, the VMAs have gone above and beyond what the states are doing and are issuing information to their members about recommendations to provide urgent care, emergent emergency kind of care at the GP level to keep the ERs from being overwhelmed um, and uh, to help out to help out during the time of crisis and kind of offset some of that burden, but certainly not to be um, using supplies and doing things that could wait, you know, and every VMA has had different guidelines, but most of them are like, look, if it can wait, six, eight, 12 weeks or more. Why are you doing it now? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But what I have seen happening, um, you know, I'm I'm in a lot of different uh, 
manager groups and everybody's been sharing information and that in and of itself can be overwhelming. But I have been paying a lot of attention to so many members who are like, it's business as usual and it's bonkers and every client who's ever, you know, come in the door now all of a sudden wants to come in for their dog who's been limping for nine months or, you know, whatever. And it's, it's been hard. I know for my team here, we're trying to only see patients that are really sick, but yet we're getting a lot of those calls from clients who are insistent. Well, I'm off work. I want to come in and I, you know, I have this problem and I don't understand why you won't see me. And that, takes its toll on the team. It's hard. Yes. You know, yesterday I had a conversation with one of my CSRs because we had a client who was very frustrated about the fact that we would not schedule her dog, um, for a neuter. And it was a dog that she's had and we told her to get it neutered. And we tried to schedule an appointment the last time she was in. And she was like, no, I gotta check my schedule. And now she's calling back and wants to schedule the neuter. And we're like, that's not an essential service. We, can schedule you and I'm happy to put you on the schedule, but we're going to schedule you for mid-May to June. And she just couldn't understand that. And that attitude um, of, you know, I'm home, I'm off work. Now's the time to take care of things that weighs on the team. And it's hard to keep them from getting judgy with clients and from getting frustrated or snapping or getting angry. It's really hard to manage that. Oh yeah. I think the staff is feeling a lot of stress right now. And it's mm-hmm. to different degrees depending on the individual, but there are some people who are in a more high risk situation or, or they're just more, they're more anxious mm-hmm. and they don't want to see a million right. clients, you know, right. they, and I, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. You know, I go home to my kids and my wife, you know, from the clinic and, you know, we, <laughs> I do like an isolation style decontamination, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm coming straight in and nobody comes to hug dad. Yep. And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't care if people roll their eyes. I go straight to the bathroom and strip off the clothes and into the shower. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and yep. that's it. And it's just trying to, to minimize potential decontamination, uh, you know, contamination of my family. And so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I get that. And so here you are and you're in the exam room and you've got the people whose dog has been vomiting for three weeks. And, you know, and they're, and they're coming in now to check it out. And you're like, ah, why didn't you just do this? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I totally get it. I I totally get it. It's a tricky balance because I don't think, I don't think that it's, I I think it's very easy to understand why we as, as healthcare professionals get frustrated, but at the, at the same time, it doesn't help us to get frustrated Right. Like that, that's the thing too. It does not help us to get frustrated at these people either turn them away or don't turn them away, but right. you know, turning them away and then getting, you know, or not turning them away and getting mad about it or getting angry or frustrated that doesn't hurt anybody, but us, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think our new normal is that we're going to have to deal with a lot of this stuff. And so it weighs on the team. And, and I know um, there's been a lot of conversation in uncharted community um, and everybody's been sharing resources and everybody's been really positive. We definitely, for a lot of States, for those of us who kind of were out in front of this in terms of the number of cases um, and who've been dealing with this for a while, like I know I have hit that point where, it is weighing on me. It weighs on my team. 
you know, I, um, <laughs> we joke at Uncharted that it's not an Uncharted event if Stephanie doesn't cry because I'm a crier, but, um, you know, I have had a couple of points this week where the weight of everything has really hit me. And so I think when you and I were talking about this, um, is really important to us. Look, we're all immersed in everything COVID, but at the same time, it is really important to be honest about what's happening. And part of it is we have a duty as leaders to help support our team and not only, um, you know, with things like helping them get access to benefits and unemployment and all of those kind of things, but also just um, supporting their mental well-being and keeping the morale up in the clinic. And so, you know, I think we wanted to talk today about how do we, how do we focus on that? How do we focus on keeping everybody um, positive and are there things that we can do big or small that can help keep us all kind of going through that, um, that the, through all of this, cause it's so hard. Yeah. There's, we've said this a couple of times, there's two things we as leaders need to be managing right now. And one of them is COVID-19 and the mm-hmm. other is anxiety about COVID-19. And yeah. those are distinctly different things. And a lot of people think that they're like, they're like, oh, if we just do what we're supposed to do, then we won't have, then, then people shouldn't be anxious because we're doing what we're supposed to do. It's like, that's not how this works. Right. And so you really need to have two plans going in your mind. And one of them is, what are we doing about the pandemic? The other is, what are we doing about my staff's anxiety about the pandemic and their thoughts and their concerns? And those are two different battle plans. And so we need to, we need to, get them both going. So um, let's, let's talk about that today. Let's talk about, um, about managing staff mental health and staff anxiety and, and, and trying to keep spirits up when things look dark and they have very legitimate concerns about, am I still going to have a job in two weeks? And you know, um, what, Am I am I going to get sick, or am my family going to get sick, and 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 things like that? A lot of them are like, let's be honest. Um, I'm I just throw out one of my frustrations right now that's just really on my mind. Like my kids are at home, and in South Carolina, they're sending home homework every day, and so we're supposed to be doing three and a half hours of schoolwork per kid per day. <laughs> And my wife and I work full time, you know, right. like we yeah. work full time and it's not like we're going to drop our kids off at the grandparents' house. You know right. what I mean? Right. And so I'm going, I don't know how to do all the things that are being put on us. And it's easier on me than my wife. My wife um, is a rule follower and a perfectionist and someone who's very much like, this is what we were told we needed to do and nothing is more important than our kids' education. And so if I have to stay up all night, then that's, then that's what we're going to do. And of course that's caused tension between us where I'm going, no, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Simply not. Our children will pick corn and, (laughs) you know, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. They'll, they will, we'll teach them to fix cars and they will be fine, but we're not, we're not 
making magical hours in the day. It's just not going to happen. And so like we have that level of stress and, and that sounds maybe ridiculous, but that stress seeps out in my dealings with other people. Like oh, sure. I know that I am wound tight and I tend to be a pretty laid back guy and I am less laid back than I usually am. And so I know that my team feels that as well. Sure. <sighs> so let's manage this. Let's do what we can do. Let's control what we control. Let's wade into, um, into helping keep morale up and keep the practice running as well as possible. All right. Number one, we've, we've got to communicate. And I think that there is, uh, there is, there are practices that are putting their head in the sand and boy, you better believe that the employees recognize that and they know that. And we hear about that, you know, they are definitely not just going, Oh, well, they're not saying anything. So everything must be okay. Yeah. I, and I think that, um, I have noticed, uh, an uptick, um, over this last probably three or four days where, um, I have seen a lot of managers posting that they've they've given notice and that they've left their clinic because they are in a practice where heads are in the sand and it's business as usual and nothing is changing and nothing is being done and they're scared and they're afraid and they feel like their concerns are falling on deaf ears and that they're not being heard. And so what's happening now is that more and more practices are having people leave because they're like, I, I can't deal with this. And fortunately for a lot of, um, our smaller businesses and private owned practices, the states and the government, the federal government are putting measures in place to try and help support employees. And so people are like, peace out. I'm going to get unemployment right now and I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to stay home and be safe and feel secure. And I don't feel that at work. And I don't feel that in the clinic. And it is scary to me that there are so many business owners out there that are continuing to act that way. Yeah, there definitely seems to be a, there's a group out there that has kind of bought into either this is not that big a deal or they simply don't know what to do. So they've just shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I agree. I've heard the same thing with, with managers, especially who were mm-hmm. saying, I'm trying to make changes and they're just getting shot down. Mm-hmm. And I feel responsible for my people. And those are uh-huh. good managers. They care about their yeah. people, which is why they're carrying this stress home. Right. So yeah, we got to communicate. We, we have got to communicate. We've got to be intentional about what we're communicating. And we've got to over-communicate. That is really yeah. it. There's, yeah. I think, one of the biggest realities about practicing right now is just know that everything is going to be slow. You are not going to be as fast as you are when there's not a global pandemic going on. I don't know why I have to say that, but I totally do. Uh, you just just know that you know yeah. this is not normal times. You 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 go. Well, I see twenty minute appointments all the time. Well, not during a pandemic. You don't. And part of the reason why we're not as fast as usual is because we need to communicate with each other. We need people to be on the same page on a day-to-day basis. And as the world changes around us, we have a lot of things to communicate. And so we might be communicating entirely different messages than we did a week ago. Yeah. That's okay. Just keep talking about it, you know? 
Yep. And so prioritize that communication. Make those, um, yeah. you know, you can do, if you've got people in the building, do do huddles um, mm-hmm. to, to talk through it. Guys, if you yep. don't have a, a digital team communication method, now might be a good time to figure that out. And that yes. um, I like Slack a lot as a Slack as a communication app. I think you and I have talked a lot about it yep. on the program. We use it in yep. Uncharted, um, in, in our in the Uncharted team. We use, um, you know, people. I've seen you know, people who use Facebook uh, groups or Facebook Messenger. Um, yep. You know, lots of anything lots of like that. are using, um, especially our like Canadian friends and and our clinics abroad are using WhatsApp because you can do group yep. messages with that. But you guys, there's so many free resources out there. You have to find a way to communicate with your team when they are in front of you and when they're not. And I know for me, that has been huge because there's so much information and so much is changing so fast. And I have found, I've been in the clinic, I've actually been working at the front desk because we've had someone out sick. And so um, I am there talking to them and communicating with them all day. And then I find I go home and I still have information I need to share that they need to know before we start the next day. I need a way to get that information out. And so you need to, you know, your team, you know, what's going to work best for you, but you have to find a way to be communicating with them um, on a regular basis from a group perspective. And I think the other thing that's so, so important right now is that it is also important to take time to check in with our people one-on-one. And just make sure that they are okay. And you can do that a million different ways. Um, You can sit down with them. You can uh, walk around the clinic and make time to say, how's it going? How are you? Are you okay? What, you know, what, how are you feeling? What are your fears? Um, Get real with them. It's important to know what's going on. Do they have kids out of school? Do they have anybody in their family who's sick? What are they dealing with at home? Now, more than ever, it is so important as a leader, whether you're a practice owner, practice manager, um, or uh, even just a a team leader to know what is going on with your team as a whole. Yeah, I I agree. I think one of the things that's hard for people to get their heads around is sometimes just walking around and cheerleading and supporting emotionally is the most valuable thing that you can be doing with your time. Yep. You know, and I know that practice owners and managers and team leaders have a lot to be doing. What I would say is, and, I, and this is a mistake that I have made at, at times in the past, is I put head down and just work hard and go, I'm doing what needs to be done. And I don't um, check in with my people and I don't sort of try to encourage them and make sure they feel heard. And the truth is that's when the wheels really fall off because I end up feeling terribly frustrated and going, why aren't people doing their jobs? Why aren't people getting other things done? Why are these other things happening? Why am I the only one who's working? And that's how I feel. And the truth is my time would have been better spent checking in with people, talking to them about their concerns, you know, just keeping keeping the team going, even if my own personal productivity, quote unquote, productivity goes down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I think it's important that you set up a system in your practice where you're giving them regular updates and, and it's the amount of information coming at us as leaders, as business leaders right now is huge. And it is really tempting to verbal vomit 
all of that same information back on our teams, but they're not going to absorb that. Hell, I, I can't absorb it. I sat there yesterday and had to reread the same CDC bulletin five times before I actually absorbed what I, what I was reading because the amount of information coming at us is so huge. And so I think it's really important to figure out a way that you're giving your team regular information and pay attention to how much it is. Give it to them in bite-sized chunks um, because they're going to absorb it better and you're going to be able to actually hear what questions they have so much um, so much easier. And so for, you know, what, what does that, what does that look like? Well, for us in, in my practice, um, it, things are still bonkers and we are solidly booked where we have clients who want to come in on top of our book schedule. And we finally made the conscious choice that there's so much need for communication amongst the team that we're actually shifting our hours and we're cutting an hour out of our appointment time in the morning and an hour and a half out of our appointment time at the end of the day so that the team can circle up and have more than a five to 15 minute huddle and actually have the opportunity as a group to sit down, to give them information, to talk about their questions, to check in on their mental health, see who needs help, how things are going. Um, that is so important to me. And look, you can do it in person. You can find a way to do it digitally. I have, um, a friend who's in the Uncharted community, um, who's an excellent manager of a very large practice in Denver. And he has a great uh, Google survey that he put together for his team and he sent it out. They've got like a hundred employees. So he sent it out to everybody and it's asking questions about, you know, how, how are you doing right now? How are you feeling? Do you have concerns about childcare? Are you concerned about um, your job security? Like what is worrying you? Whatever, whatever is going to work for your team, you have to find um, a vehicle to get the information to them and from them. That is so important right now. Yeah, I agree. You, you have to communicate. You have to keep your own head clear to do this too. You know, you can't get sucked into the panic. You yeah. cannot get sucked into the drama and the chaos, the sensationalism, right. you know? Yeah. So you have got to be careful about what you put into your mind and how you confuse, uh, or, and how you, um, infuse knowledge and emotion into yourself you know so yeah. you 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 probably want to stay off of social media for a while before having yeah. these updates you know and yeah. and you should just when you get on social media and you start feeling anxiety and you feeling ramped up about the state of the world you need to get out of there the truth yep. is, as a team leader, you're responsible for yourself and you're responsible for your people. And things that don't help you do that job are are just um, they're they're obstacles. You know, yeah. the fact that something is happening somewhere else in the country, or you know, or, or there's a death toll in Italy, that doesn't help you or your people right now. And so my advice, honestly, is to limit significantly the amount of space that that gets in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. and, but, and I also think it's important to help the team manage that, too. Like, I know right now everybody is, we have so much information at our fingertips. And part of what I found was really key was directing myself and my team to credible sources and getting everybody off of some of the social media and off of some of the various news outlets and looking at, look, we're, we are in a profession that is one 
based in science. And so for me, that has been a a control mechanism to be able to take it back to the science and say to my team, look, here's what the CDC is saying. Here's what the World Health Organization is saying. Let's look at credible source information. And I have made a conscious decision to only share that information, whether it is with the team, whether it's with my family, whether it's my friends. When I start to see stuff on Facebook or Instagram, that's like, um, you know, half truths and memes kind of stuff. And there might be some science attached to it, but I really want to focus on credible source information. And I think that that helps not only with controlling kind of the panicky feelings and the ability to get worked up easier, but also to prevent the spread of any misinformation because it's just rampant right now. Yeah. The best lies have 80% truth, you know, And that's, that's why some of the memes and the half-truths online are so effective is that there's enough tied to them that's real that, uh, that people take them, that they take them very seriously. And so what are we communicating? I, I like that. Be boring. Like, I mm-hmm. want to be boring. I want to talk about the CDC and the World Health Organization, and that's it. Like, those are the types of sources I want to use and talk about. And then I want to be transparent. And so transparent and boring. I don't want to be sensational. I don't want to, you know, I just be transparent, be clear. I don't know what's going to happen. Our government still has not passed a, um, a response bill. I don't know if they will. I don't know when they will. I don't know what will be in it. I don't know how it'll affect us. I don't know. Right. As soon as something is out, we will process it and we will let you know what we think this means until then we're going to follow the cdc guides the world health organization guides and we are communicating with our state vma on what we should be doing and how we should be doing it we'll continue to communicate with you guys every single day if you have questions or concerns please let us know please talk to us about them we want to support you and we're trying to do what's best for everybody that's it it's boring and it's honest right and and part of it too for me is that there's so much information coming and the questions are coming so fast. What I love about having a digital um, communication platform, particularly because my practice uses Slack, I've been asking them to send me those questions and and that way if I don't have the information yet, I can set reminders for myself so I come back to it because I don't want them to feel like they're asking questions and they're falling on deaf ears. And a lot of the times right now, my answer is, I, I don't have an answer for that. I have no idea, but I promise you that I will try and find out an answer and I will come back to it. And, and I think that that's a huge part in trying to make them feel heard. Um, but it's also being real with them and being honest about the fact that you're, no one has all the answers right now and we're, things are changing so fast. Um, and you're doing the best that you can as a leader to make decisions in real time. Sometimes with half the information you feel like you need to actually make that decision. Right. I I've, I think that some people worry about saying that to their staff. And I, I don't, you know, I, yeah. I really do think, I think that you pretending like you have it figured out or that you have mm-hmm. information that you're not sharing, that, that's a mistake. I think it's better yeah. off to say, I don't have this information. I yep. don't know. Now, now is not the time to fake it till you make it. Nope. <laughs> now it's no, it's true. Real and honest with your team and say, I don't know. 
I mean, and and hopefully they'll be real and honest with you too. There may be some people who are like, honestly, I would prefer to not come in and be at home. And you go, well, great, because honestly, I was trying to get some people off the schedule, uh, so that so that we can run a, a a smaller crew. And so that is a win for you and a win for me. And I'm glad you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that's number one. Uh, be intentional about your communication. Number two is relax your policies. May, this is maybe not the time to enforce the letter of the law in the handbook. Do you agree? I do 100% agree, which is which is so unlike me because anybody who listens to us knows that I'm a bit of a rule follower and I am obsessive about recommending that you have a handbook and that you know what's in it and that you keep it all up to date. Now is not the time to... Um, take that stance um with the team for a whole lot of reasons i've waited um, for this day for years <laughs> i throw the handbook into the parking lot and pull no, my shirt off that. i didn't and, say that <laughs> and, oh that's not oh, all right putting my shirt back on put your shirt back on andy Rourke. all right okay <laughs> um and hold on to your handbook you're not allowed to throw that out but i do think right, that i'll go get that the- from the parking lot <laughs> I do think that now is the time to relax some of them. Um, the the first one for me is, look, you guys, we have to trust our teams right now. If you have an employee that says that they're sick and that they and or they're experiencing symptoms, whether they are symptoms of potentially having coronavirus or not, now is the time where you have to trust them. Otherwise, if you were one of those employers out there, and I see veterinary hospitals all day, every day, all over social media who are still doing this, look, if you are making your team come in when they are sick, you are putting the entire team at risk um, and and risking infecting your entire hospital. The other thing is the productivity and the morale and their engagement when you when they feel forced, quote unquote, to come to work whether you are actually forcing them or you are just creating a culture where it's unacceptable for them to actually take time off when they're sick, you are giving them the message that you don't care about them, that you don't care about what they're going through. And now is absolutely not the time to um, micromanage that kind of policy. If someone says that they're sick, believe them. Right. Um, and the other piece that, that goes hand in hand with that for me is now is not the time to make them bring a doctor's note for being out sick. Look, you guys, the the human healthcare system is completely overwhelmed. Requiring your employees to go to the doctor to get a note because they've been out for three days because they've had the flu just bogs down the system more. Um, you can relax that policy. You can still ask them to request a doctor's note and let their doctor's office know that they can get to it when they get to it. And they are so appreciative of that right now. You can still maintain your your HR protocols. You can still maintain your employee records, but but relax on it. Don't tell them that they have to have a note before they come back to work. Because the reality is, I had someone out um, sick, and she actually uh, were waiting on test results uh, for her. But um, in the meantime. Her partner's work was like, we need a doctor's note that you that this is why you're out. She called their office and they were 500 in line for getting a doctor's note for their employer. Wow. Nobody has time for that right now. 
And right. we live in a tiny, tiny, small town. Nobody has time to do 500 doctor's notes. Don't make them do it. Right. No, I, I completely agree with that. I think that this is a struggle for some of us because at times like this, a lot of us feel a desperate need for control. Like a lot of, a lot of us are really looking for things that we can control. And sometimes that leads us for whatever reason to clamp down on minuscule rules. You know what I mean? Just, I, it's, it's like, nope, we're going to enforce the on time arrival rule. Right. Like never before. (laughs) And it's, it's because it's like, I can control this. I can, I am going to make my people show up on time. Right. And it's not a rational thought. It's an emotional need that we have. I think a lot of us are struggling to control as much of our environment as we can. And what that can turn into is just beating people with the rule book for no real reason at the exact time that we should be lightening up on the rule book and, and really trying to assume good intent to assume that people are doing their best that, you know, that, that we're all struggling in ways other people don't know about. And so I I think that that's really important to call out is now is the time to relax policies. I think, I think a lot of us uh, in our regular podcast, we generally talk about precedent and we're like, well, if we let this go this time, then what's that going to mean in the future and blah, blah, blah. I don't think people are going to come back and say, oh, well, the, you know, the, the, the lack state that we kept during the global pandemic is going to be our new norm. I, I, I don't <laughs> right. think that's a, a, a big concern. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, unless, unless any of us were managing clinics, when the you know Spanish flu hit or something like that, I don't think many of us can say that we have managed in the face of something like this. And so I absolutely agree that you're not going to set a precedent, and it 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 is an opportunity for you to just look at your people as people and say, "How can I help?" Cool. So how how can we help? Well, we talk a lot on the podcast and, and in Uncharted and there's a, there's a really easy thing to do. And it's actually one of the first things that I forgot to do. So I, so I want to make sure to share it with everybody, which is that, look, if your hospital has resources, if you have an employee assistance program, um, remind your team about that, mm-hmm. remind them that they have access to it, remind them how to get access to it. It's a simple thing, but when people are worked up and panicking, it's really easy to forget that 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 is there. And for those employers who are like, I haven't been able to get it together to pick an EAP yet. I can't afford to pick an EAP. Look, there are a ton of free resources out there right now and more and more communities trying to make resources available at low or no cost to people. As we go through this, the community is really trying to pull together. So take half hour get on Google and figure out what the resources are in your community. Give them, you can give them free 1-800 numbers for um, crisis hotlines, for counseling resources, make up a little sheet for them. It doesn't have to be fancy. Open a, open a word doc, a, a Google doc, and just type out the information for them. You don't have to make a pretty Canva graphic that you share with everybody. It can be super simple. The important thing is, is you're sharing that kind of information with your team. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So get that information out. Um, let's see, uh, HR paperwork. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Here we go. So, so, so support through our EAP is obviously first and foremost. Um, if we come, this is hard. Um, if we have people who are not comfortable coming in or they don't want to come in, or we reach in a place and we have to reduce our staff and size, our staffing size and things like that. Now is not the time to be, um, to be cold, you know, at all, or to, uh, to sort of leave your people out in the cold. I think if you're going to have people who are going to go on to unemployment, I think being ready for that and uh, communicating that this is a place where we don't relax policies is to say we are going to have people who are going to go into unemployment. Let's try to make this transition as, as smooth for them as possible. Let's try to give them guidance. Let's get the paperwork together. Let's um, facilitate yeah. this. And that is actually something I've seen some of the larger vet hospitals do well is to say to people, guys, we are not going to be able to keep these departments going. And what we believe is the best for our employees is for you to have unemployment. And they go ahead and say, we're going to help you with that. We have the paperwork. We'll answer your questions. We'll do whatever we need to get you set up. And I think that sometimes that's the kindest thing that we can do. And it breaks my heart, but it, I, I think it's true. Totally. And there are lots of states out there. Washington is, is one of them. We're experiencing them now. A lot of the states are working to try and help, especially those small business employers, and creating programs where, um, yes, okay, we, they recognize that we are having to lay people off, whether it's a, a lack of hours, a lack of business, or you're closed altogether. Um, but they are creating programs where you can lay people off, but put them on standby so that if things turn around, you can very quickly re-employ them and get them back up and running. And so this is where, look, uh, this is where I'm <laughs> Andy cringe because he knows I'm going to soapbox for a second. Like this is your job as a business leader, knowing what your um, duties are from an HR perspective. Now is not the time to screw this up again, spend the time, figure out what your responsibilities are. Get the paperwork ready. Even if you don't have to use it, you will be so much in so much of a better place if you spend the time to prepare and talk a little bit honestly with your team about it. I'm about to have that conversation with my team today, actually, and say, look, you guys, right now, business is bonkers, and I um, haven't had to make any changes to our schedule. But if we get to a place where the schedule changes and I have to look at cutting hours or I have to look at, um, you know, heaven forbid, laying someone or multiple someone's off so that you guys can continue to have access to some sort of income, I want you to be prepared and I want you to know what the resources are and how to access it. And I don't want you to feel like you're scrambling and you don't have anybody to ask those questions to. So, so make time for your team and talk to them about it and get the information together before you, before you need it, because the chances are the majority, the vast majority of us are not going to come out of this unscathed. There is going to be some effect to our business and it's our job to know how do we best protect and support our team. Yeah, I agree. I, that's, I think probably a lot of people went, Oh my God, you're going to say that to your, to your people. And I think that's an example of the type of transparency that we're talking about is let's just be, be on, be boring. And it's not like, Oh my God, you guys, uh, it, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a big motivational speech or anything. It's just like, no. Hey, we're, everything is good. We've been bonkers. Uh, I want you guys to know that we're looking at these things. We're getting everything together. No matter what, we're not going to turn our back on you. We are going to do everything we can to support and help you going forward. And that, that's, maybe not the comfort that people imagine 
uh, like let our listeners imagine. Sure. But the truth is that feels honest. And I think that people would rather have that type of honesty and say, okay, this is my position and then adjust to it. You know, I think the, uh, I think we all saw how unnerving wild uncertainty is recently. And I think there's like, it can be bad. Just tell me where I stand so that I can start to adjust to that reality. Yeah. And I think the other thing that if you are a practice owner, the other thing you need to think about is if you are uh, providing insurance benefits and ancillary benefits for your team, make sure they know what the plan is and what's going to happen with that. So you as a, as a business owner um, should absolutely know what your carrying costs are for your team. And if you have to lay your team off um, or lay off part of your team, what is it going to cost you to keep them on your benefits? Can you, can you pay that cost? Do you have a plan involved um, for how you're going to help them now? All of the states are um, making access available to the state exchange so that employees who do lose their health care benefits because their work has had to close or has had to lay off, um, it's considered a qualifying life event. And so they're going to have access to insurance through the state exchange. But you're, if you're in a place where your hope is, hey, I have to maybe lay some people off or I have to change our hours and people are going to be short hours. And so it might be better for them to claim unemployment than to continue working be able to provide them with the information on whether you can continue their benefits or not. And it should, it should fall kind of in line with what your policies are for um, leaves of absence. So you should know, can I pay them? If I do pay them, am I paying all of their costs? Am I going to let them pay me back later? Am I just, do I have this space? And can I say to them, I'm going to cover this cost for you? There's no wrong answer. And you shouldn't feel like a bad boss if the answer is, I can't afford to pay the insurance premiums for everybody, but I'm willing to keep you on the policy if you can pay 0% or 50% or whatever that looks like for your practice. But you have to look at that and you have to be able to have an honest conversation with your team about what is going to happen. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I just think this almost seems paradoxical in a lot of ways when we talk about keeping morale up. And having these types of conversations, you go, that doesn't keep morale up. I, I promise you, it, it does. You know, um, the uncertainty is worse than knowing the realities of the business. And so yeah. those are so those are our policies. So keeping morale up, we talked about being intentional in, in our communications. We talked about our policies, when to relax some, which policies to get in order, what paperwork to get ready. Let's talk about keeping our people safe. Cause this is a big part of morale. If they don't feel safe, then they are not, I mean, then there's constant anxiety. They're going to be unhappy. That stuff is going to, um, is going to weigh on them. So yep. just basic stuff, right? Your, our CDC guidelines, our world health organization guidelines, it's practicing what you preach, right? It's actually doing it. Yep. Yeah. So look, you guys, I am, <laughs> we talked on a prior podcast episode about, how frustrated I was that people were hoarding the damn toilet paper, but Mm. like, it's back to that. It's, it's being honest with your team. If you hit a point where you can't get hand soap at any of your local stores, or you can't get, um, you know, uh, uh, disinfecting cleansers to clean the clinic, you have a obligation, not only a moral obligation as a human being, but an obligation from a business perspective to, um, 
create a safe work environment for your team by OSHA standards. And so you need to tell them if you're at a place where you can't get hand soap for them, you need to find an alternative or you need to not be open as an employer. You cannot, you cannot keep the hospital open because you want to protect pets. If you are not protecting your team first. Right. And there's liability there too. I mean, first of all, as a good human, as a moral ethical thing, that is absolutely hundred percent true. But if that doesn't ring your bell, then, right. um, then right. we can talk about legal liability. It looks right. real bad when someone says they did not provide soap, they did not have right. cleaning things, they did not have these other things, and we were still required to go and work. That I mean, if if that's what it takes to sort of get your head into that space, then then so be it. But we've we've got to do the basic stuff. We've got to have you know uh, soap, hand sanitizer, just regular basic OSHA required stuff. Uh, yeah. We've got to have some the PPE. Yeah. And I think the the thing about PPE is that all of us are facing sh- there there's mass shortage, right? We we know this, and clinics are now um, being asked, and rightly so, to share a supplies that we do have with the human healthcare side in a lot of places. That's that's a that's a judgment call that you have to make as as a business. All I will say is that you have an obligation to keep your employees safe, and so. That involves figuring out what those solutions are. There's a lot of great resource information on the AVMA's COVID page, including information about alternates um, to PPE, linking to studies with um, and information directly from the FDA about what we can do in terms of reusing PPE, in terms of using um, alternative washable PPEs. Look, in the last 10 years, the veterinary field has made the shift to in raising the bar when it comes to our standards for um, sterility and cleanliness and protection for our teams. And that is, those are all great things. Mm -hmm. There's also a time and a place to look and say, can we take the middle of the road approach here? Do we need to be practicing the gold standard or can we do some things to safely um, reuse or reduce our, our, um, consumption of some of this equipment so that we're not burdening down the overburden system already with orders and requests for more disposable things. So um, if you haven't already checked out the AVMA's resource page, I would highly suggest that you do. And there's direct links to all of the FDA information. Um, we had clients volunteer to sew our team um, masks. Now we know that they're not going to protect us from contracting um covid because they're not n95 masks they don't have filters but what they what they can do is cut down on the amount of reusable masks that the team is using and we can wash them we can wash them multiple times a day so um you know there are things that we can do and it's up to you as a team leader as an employer to sit again to carve out the time i know it's stressful i know we're all just trying to manage the day-to-day in our practices but it is your job to sit down and make time to look at that resource information and figure out what the plan is for your team, including and up to saying, what is my breaking point where if I don't have these things available to me, I have to close my clinic. All right. Yeah, I agree. We've had, uh, we've had some uncharted practices that provided every one of their staff members with thermometers. Yeah. And, and seriously, and they like, they have to take their temperature before they, before they come into the building. Now, no, that you cannot ask them what their temperature was. Yes, thank that, you. <laughs> that is, yeah, no, that is uh, a HIPAA violation. You are not able to ask them about their health status or anything like that. 
but um, but we do have practices that have provided uh, thermometers to their people and said, please do not come in if it is over, uh, you know, 100 degrees. And and that is that. But yes, you cannot go around and say, what's your what's your temperature? What's your temperature? I want you to have your thermometer in your mouth at all times so I can just look at you and know that you're not febrile. Look at you, Andy Rourke. I am so proud of you knowing your HR um, rules. I am. Yeah. This is a very proud moment right now. I'm rubbing up <laughs> on you a little bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it is, it is true. You can't record the information. You can't ask them for the information. But you absolutely can say, okay, look, we want to keep each other safe. And so at this point in time, our policy is, Nobody comes in the building if they have a temperature over 100.4 is the CDC recommendation right now. And so if you want to make them all take their temperature and just tell you a yes or no answer, were they over or were they under, you can absolutely make that a policy. You have to test everybody. You can't say, oh, well, only Cheryl at the front desk has to take her temperature because she's the one who's interacting with our clients. Has to be across the board. But I love that. I love that there were practice owners in the uncharted community who were like, look, I recognize that my team is young and some of them are unprepared and i after seeing this i asked my team i'm like hey who has a thermometer at home and there were so many of them who were like i don't have a thermometer and so (laughs) we were a little late in the game and i had trouble finding thermometers but i have now sourced thermometers and we decided okay we have one that had never been used it was still in the box at the clinic and so we said Okay, this has not been in any animal, but can we donate this? Can we use this for the um, the human temperature taking factor? And so, um, you know, whatever you can do um, to to step up your safety game is a good thing right now. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. Yeah, you um, soap in the dispensers. PPE, whatever your protocols yeah. are, you know, the cloth masks are, are something it, it's funny, you know, and people will argue back and forth about this or that. I, I think one of the big things for me with the, uh, with the cloth mask, number one, as you said earlier, the gold standard is based on the assumption of access to the materials. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. no one is looking at, um, you know, a jungle village in Zimbabwe and being <laughs> like, Oh, the gold standard is this. It's like, well, we all know that, they have access to resources to a limited degree. And so their gold standard uh, or the gold standard that we practice right now may be different from what it would be somewhere else or at another time. Uh, so so I, I think that that's true. The other thing that, that I do like about the cloth masks is honestly, they send a visual sign to the pet owners that I'm not screwing around. Right. You know what I mean? And so some of the, you know that some of the pet owners don't take this seriously and some of them do or whatever. But when I come in and I wear, I'm wearing this mask, it sends a sign that, hey, you might not take this seriously, but I definitely do and am. And so hopefully that will uh, be a sort of a visual reminder to them to, mm-hmm. you, to be hygienic, to wash their hands, to, you know, to, to keep their hands off of me, <laughs> things like that, yeah. you know, which is a problem yeah. for me in the exam room, as you know. Yeah. And I would say one of the <laughs> one of the lessons. Oh, please, God, Andy, wash your hands. No, okay, good. Um, <laughs> teasing. One one of the really silly lessons that we have learned, um, and this was shared in the Uncharted community um, by by our friendly Alan. Um, but but it is something that we didn't 
I think a lot of us didn't think about is if you have switched to curbside and you have closed your building except to your team, which is what a lot of practices have done, um, we do have to think about our clients and we're restricting access to the restroom, which I am 100% okay with. Um, but I do think we need to have a plan if we're asking clients to sit out in the parking lot, particularly if it's taking us longer than normal to do our jobs, know where the other bathrooms are that they can access. So we're right down the street from a, from a market that is still open and has public restrooms. And so being able to tell the clients, we're not letting clients into the building, but Safeway's right up the street and they have, they have restrooms, feel free, go ahead, come on back, text us again when you're here. So we know that you're back. Um, or make a plan for what you're going to do inevitably when the client has to come in the rest into the building to use the restroom and how you're going to make sure that you're cleaning. Cause there are so many high touch surfaces in a restroom that we don't often think about. And so making a plan for your team to, um, you know, wipe down the, the light switch to wipe down the toilet handle, to wipe down the sink, all of those things so that we are um, protecting ourselves, whether it's just from the team as a whole using, using the restroom throughout the day or, clients coming in the building, but it was something I hadn't thought about until it happened to us on the same day that, that Lee shared that in the group. And I thought it was really funny. Oh yeah, absolutely. We just reporting <laughs> them to the dog walk area and just been like, just mark, you your, mark your territory. Uh, it's we're, we're set up to handle that. No, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. You're, oh my exactly. God. Um, you know, one of the things I, I want to say about sort of the, the safety protocols too, and this is just lessons that we've learned in Uncharted from um, from doing it. Mm-hmm. It is easier to go big one time than to make minor changes again and again and again and again. So what I mean is what what we've seen as far as um, as far as getting the staff on board and making them feel comfortable is. Clinics that went from um, seeing normal appointments to getting clients directly into the waiting room to going out and getting clients from the car to going to restricting access to the building have had a harder time because they've had five different policy changes than clinics who were just like, you know what, we're not messing around and they lock the doors and the clients uh, kept the clients out of the building and just say, and, and at the time what happens is the staff goes, wow, this is a huge jump. We what? went zero to 60, you know what I mean? In 4.4 yep. 4 seconds. Like mm-hmm. they, and, but it was one change and then it was done and you didn't have to go back and tinker and retinker and get people back on board. It was yeah. just guys, we're not messing around we're going to go big. And if this is overkill, so be it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing I, I want to say now is when we're talking about policies, we're talking about keep our staff safe. No one on your staff is going to look down on you for going big and, and, and going o- even going overboard. And in the right. future, if they look back and say, wow, we really didn't need to do that. And there might be people who roll their eyes, but I would still say deep down, they appreciate that you care about them, especially yeah. if you if you say, I'm not messing around with your safety guys. I care right. about you. I feel right. responsible for you. Um, I, yep. you know, whatever my internal motivations are, we're going big. And yeah. and that goes back to to um, you know, a point that you and I were talking about earlier. And I can't remember if, if we told the story in the podcast or if it was right before the podcast, but there are clients that get upset and they go, Why do I have to? What do you mean? 
we can't, you can't, and this is what you said. You, what do you mean you can't neuter my dog? And what I would say is we're in that, in, in a time when those people can get mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, the customer is always right. Nope. 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 Not, not yeah. when it comes to the health of my people or myself, they're not right. And so yeah. there will be people who can get mad but I do think that we're at a place where this is lying in the sand time and I'm not going to be disrespectful to them or mean to them. But if they say, I'm going to go somewhere else and get my dog neutered, you know what? I can't make everyone happy. You know, there's a quote that I, that I love, which is, you know, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to make everyone happy. And I think that that, I think that that is very true. So there will be some clients who, who don't get it. Um, I think, and again, I could be wrong, but I think that we're still going into this and there are people who may not get it now, but they may get it in another two weeks or they may get it in, in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, the, you know, those people, when they get it, they'll go, Oh, that mm-hmm. was probably the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I'm not going to gamble being wrong about that. Yeah, and I think one last kind of outside the box thing for trying to mitigate some of the risks and protect um, your team that um, that I loved the idea of is, look, right now there are so many businesses closed, but we have an opportunity to support some of the locals in our community. And so um, I saw practices talking about wanting to have um, a local uh, counselor come in and do some um, conversations with their team at a team meeting about, um, you know, how to manage well, wellness and well-being and uh, mental health and those kind of things. And we might not be able to bring somebody into our practice right now, but we can totally do digital things to support them. So, you know, reaching out to a local therapist in the community or a crisis um, counselor, asking them to do a Zoom meeting with your team and talk about managing um, the, you know, managing emotional well-being during the crisis, or stress management tips, or asking a local yoga instructor to do, um, you know, a virtual yoga session with your team during a meeting so that you guys can stretch and just relax and focus on your breathing. Those are really, really simple things that we can do that we don't have to have somebody come in to the practice to do. And we're contributing to the local economy and supporting small businesses who are otherwise, um, you know, not able to work and unengaged right now. And, um, I think it really, it really provides an opportunity for us to, to think outside the box and help in a bigger way, but also to help our team because it is stressful. We're dealing, we're dealing with all of the same stuff that we normally deal with. And to some degree, some of our clients are amping it up a level Um, and that adds a significant amount of stress. And so if there are things that we can do to address stress management with the team, I think that we have a responsibility, um, to, to our employees to provide resources for them. No, I agree. So, uh, so those are our big three, uh, be intentional about communication, relax, uh, your policies and prepare other policies, your HR policies, uh, and then mitigate, mitigate risk to protect your team. So those are the big three. Let's let's wrap this up uh, with some closing words, and you can call this number four or not. But um, I, I think the last point that we wanted to make was you, you've got to be you got to be real, uh, you got to be honest, and and that that fits with being transparent. But um, but be real and be honest. And so one of the one of the things that I wanted to call out 
that falls for me into being real and being honest is is this one of the things that I, I'm seeing in practices and hearing in practices is there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of clients are giving our people a hard time because they don't want to wait in their car or they don't want to not be able to come into the building or they want to get their pet neutered or blah, 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 blah. Uh, it is super easy for the staff to, um, to start judging clients or to start being negative about clients. And what being real to me is, is saying to them, you're not wrong. Like, I, I think it's, it's really easy to be frustrated and I, you know, getting, getting, being bothered when someone harasses you about not being able to come into the building when you're just trying to do what's best. It's like, trust me, it'd be easier for us if you just came in the building too, but that's right. not what we're doing. Right. And so being real is recognizing their frustration and saying to them, you have a right to feel this frustration, mm-hmm. but also being real and saying, this negativity, it grows on itself and it is contagious and it spreads through the team and it doesn't do us any good to be angry at our clients, frustrated at our clients, negative about our clients. And so everyone is going to feel that way. We're still not going to talk about our clients in a negative way. Just if you need to vent, if you need to say something negative, I am here and you can come and tell me, and I promise I will not pep talk you. You right. can tell me this person was being awful and blah, blah, blah. And I will listen to you and hear you and commiserate with you. But I can't have you talking to the rest of the team about it. And let's just make a commitment because, guys, we're in this for the long haul. We've right. got to keep this place as positive as we can. And that's on us. And so judging or bashing uh, the clients, judging or bashing the staff. If somebody calls in and they call in sick and, you know, let's be honest, we've all had those people in our practices who um, seem to call in sick at an extremely high rate during the best of times. And when those people are the first people to call in sick, everyone rolls their eyes. And again, I get it. I totally get it. It's toxic. And it, you know what I mean? And just talk to the team and say, if you need to vent, you can come and talk to me in my office privately, but we have a no judging, no bashing policy in the rest of the hospital. And guys, that's for our mental health. And it's for us to keep, uh, to keep, uh, the, the happiness here as high as we can. And so that's kind of my, my real conversation is about client bashing or team member bashing. And I get it. I totally get it. And I think it's important to say, because if you just sort of discount them and be like, no, 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 what are you saying this? We just don't do that. I think that's wildly frustrating because they do want to commiserate and they do want to share the fact that they're being treated unfairly and they are being treated unfairly. They should be able to share that, but we should have a plan for that. And it's not talking openly to the rest of the staff so that everyone gets resentful and feels angry about, uh, about the work that we're doing. Yeah, I and I think um, I think a piece of that that you touched on that's important to me is I think that every leader of a veterinary practice, if you haven't already had the conversation with your team about um, the fact that there should be no judgment in any of our hospitals, if someone elects to stay home, if someone is in a high risk category and is scared about coming to work, 
if someone has a family member who's in a high risk category and they're worried about what they might bring home by continuing to come to work and they're feeling torn between supporting the team and wanting to be there and help their coworkers, but they're also scared of what could happen to their family as a repercussion from that choice, you have a duty to protect your team and be open and honest. And for me, this is as real as it gets to sit in a room with your team and say, look, it's scary. I'm scared and be vulnerable and be brave and, and allow them the space to say, I don't want to come to work. And for me, it was finding that place that for me, it came easy to find that place and say, look, there is no judgment. That was one of the first conversations I sat down and had with my team. And I said to them, look, there's no judgment for me. If you are, if you feel like you cannot work because you're in a high risk category, if someone in your house is in a high risk category, if your kids are out of school and you have no daycare alternative, there's not going to be any judgment for me. If you say you cannot come to work or to say what you need in order to come to work. And I expect the same from the rest of the team. I don't want te- I don't want teammates bashing each other. If somebody has to call out sick, we're going to roll with the flow here and go roll with the punches, go with the flow. Roll do with what the needs flow. to be done. I know. Do <laughs> It's early. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> I haven't had enough caffeine yet. Um, we're, you know, but we're going to roll with it as a team and we're going to support each other. And if, if you cannot be on board to, to that tune, then by all means, this is probably not the right team space for you. And not like, not in a threatening way, but I want the team to know that they are supported and that they have the right to be real and say, I am scared. And this is what I'm scared of. And so if you haven't had that conversation with your team, um, or you have been afraid to have that conversation with your team, Uh, you need to figure it out and you need to find a way. And I would say a really soft way to approach that if you're, um, you know, nervous about confrontation or you're worried about what they might tell you is to just say, Hey guys, what, what's going on in your heads right now? What do you, what do you, what are you worried about? What are you afraid of? And then shut up and just let them start talking and then let the conversation go where it needs to go. But you have to have a conversation and you have to do it and be vulnerable and brave and real with your team. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Anything else? I think the last thing for me is uh, about being about being real is to say, um, as a especially as a leader, look, you guys, working from home or working in makeshift conditions is not pretty and it is not smooth. It is messy. Whether it's you're you're trying to work from home and your partner is also home working from home and your kids are streaming everything known to man on their Kindles and your partner is trying to use up the internet to work from home as well. And all of a sudden you can't, um, you know, make your internet work to check things or to have your remote connection. Be real about that kind of stuff with your team. If you have to bring your kids into the clinic, um, you know, talk to them openly and honestly about where you're at. It's like, for, for me, I'm actually the only member on my team who doesn't have a childcare alternative. I have young kids who are in school. They've been out of school now for a week and a half. We don't live somewhere where we have family or we have a backup plan. The daycares are closed. There is no other option. And so my option is I stay home with my kids and I leave my team to manage this themselves or my kids come to the clinic with me and my partner and I are trying to juggle that and help each other be able to work as much as we can. But the reality is nothing about this is clean. It's messy. So you're, 
share that with your team. If there are things going on for you as a leader that is really stressing you out, if you are, um, you know, if you are high risk and you're worried, be real with them. Don't overburden them with your struggle, but do create opportunities to open up and share with them that it's not all sunshine and daisies right now because they want to know that you are in this with them and that you are experiencing similar frustrations and anxieties and emotions that they are. This is a, the, the silver lining for this for me is that this is a golden opportunity to make connections with our team and be intentional about the relationships that we are building with them. And this can be an opportunity to absolutely make your team a million times stronger or in the long run. And this can also be an opportunity that will break your clinic if you don't go about doing things, um, doing things openly and honestly with your team. Yeah, I agree with that. It's an interesting balance to be open and honest and transparent. And you can talk about your emotions. and, And I think that that is important. And then I think we need to put that down because anxiety does travel through the clinic and culture does come from the top. And if you see, if you are head down working, then your team will be head down and working. And if you are hand wringing, um, and and nervous and, (laughs) and you're just talking continuously about the state of the world, then they will wring their hands and talk continuously about the state of the world. And so There's a time and a place to be transparent and open and honest and real. And then there's a time to put that stuff down and lead by example. And so it is it is about being intentional in how we do this. All right, Steph, we're out of time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this with me. Take care of yourself, and I will talk to you again soon. Have a good week, you guys. Hang in there. Hang in there, everybody. See you later. And that was our episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. If you have questions for me and Steph, choose an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. We'll see you next week with uh, some brand new, fresh content. Talk to you then. Bye.